The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Various cover. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we're going through the best and most important issues of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and I'm joined today by a very special co-host. He, some is, some are calling him Mr. Podcast, some are calling him <laughs> Big Podcast, yeah. because of, ooh, he's got a lot of guests, he's got, he's got the big guest, big name guest. Who's the biggest guest you've had on your, your Korean annotators? Well, I don't know if you want to. Like You're talking them. about my so on my podcast over on Comic Herald, I do a, a series yep. called Cree Annotators, where we annotate the history of the Cree aliens. Nope, not that. It is uh, interviews with various creators, and the biggest name I've had on. Um, that's an interesting question. I mean, I I go like I'm I'm relatively in the weeds on in the comics yeah. world, right? Yeah, like I'm talking to creators stuff, I really yeah. like. Um, I'm not. I, here's the thing, Comic Herald, huge deal, obviously, right? Like. Big site. I'm very proud, frankly, of the work we've done in 2020 in particular. That said, I'm not pulling into Jonathan Hickman, right? Like, it's, you know, I'm not at that level. I mean, uh, you know what's wild is, like, I do see podcasts with a much smaller following than ours. Yeah. Get people of his level sometimes. Yeah. Like, or, or actually, especially, like, people who are big, hot hot shots in the 70s and 80s. No, just big and hot. They get, <laughs> like, we can't even, we can't get the big hotties. Oh, that's uh, don't you're burning cast for my uh, my my marvelous year hero and villain at the end of this uh, this episode. If you have but, a hero yeah, no. named uh, the Big Hottie, I'm gonna be uh, rolling on the floor, a chuckling. I mean, we we went on the Marvelists um, earlier, and they had one of the funniest <laughs> guests lately. I think I sent this to you. They had yeah. Gabriel Iglesias, the yeah. stand-up comedian, on lately. I think that's I don't. I, get, is he well, a you know guy? what we have to do I now. I should listen and find out. You know what we get have to Gabriel do Gabriel Iglesias. No, we have to get Enrique. Oh. <laughs> we gotta get Enrique, and we gotta one up the heck out of him. No, it's it is it's yeah. interesting. Like people whose Rolodexes far outshine their uh, platform <laughs> is sometimes completely fascinating to me. Uh, just like I, relationships matter, my man. Right? Like it, it's who you know. Yeah, yeah, like, in so many walks of life. But I would say my I've had a lot of really great guests. I've I've enjoyed doing the interview series. I think it's fun. Probably the mm-hmm. biggest name in comics might be Steve Orlando. I talked to about oh, sure. his upcoming yeah, yeah. graphic novel, uh, Kill a Man, and I. So I was talking about this graphic novel. He has Commanders in Crisis coming out from I- Image Comics, which mm. he teased in that interview. It On sounds my pull amazing. List. Yep. Like, got that's a must pull for I think anyone yep. interested in superheroes and just good books. Super pumped for that book. Um, but also, I realized as I was talking to him that. Uh, he was the ongoing writer of Wonder Woman, <laughs> like yes. still at oh, the you time. <laughs> That's all I like have known him from besides a few other random DC things. No, it's like I still knew it, but the news broke that he was going to be off Wonder Woman so much earlier than our conversation. Like there was still some sort of like it, like it wasn't a super clean breakup either, you know, is the thing. Um, but, it, but the fact that I was like, oh, I just talked to the writer of Wonder Woman um, and that's kind of a big deal. So he was probably the biggest name in comics that I've talked to, I suppose. Hmm. Um, but I've yeah, talked to a lot of uh, a lot of really cool creators. So, anywho, yeah. So that that was also a way of me pointing out we got we got guests. You probably have heard we've had some guests on recently. We had Frankie and we had Chris from Chris's Unfinitors. We have two more good guests coming up for the next two episodes. And uh, yeah, I um, I've been enjoying doing this i think uh well, i mean the variants are obviously going to be just me and dave we'll still have episodes that are just me and dave but um i like the perspectives some of our guests are bringing yeah i think we'll be a, a relatively um we'll have guests here and there throughout the remainder of my model this year um yeah. let us know i guess your general thoughts on the approach um but yeah. know that i'll just do what i want to do 
<laughs> Either way, no, I'm kidding. Uh, let us know what you think about the the guests. Hopefully, you guys yeah. are enjoying their perspectives as well. I know we got a ton of really good feedback on the Fantastic Freaky, uh, who definitely you guys yes. should all check out her YouTube channel because even her thumbnails alone continue to just tickle me. Like every time one pops up on YouTube, which I spend a lot more time on these days than I really ever have before. And uh, like there was, I'm I'm just kind of glancing at my homepage, and there's one that just says. Icon is basically Ben Carson, and it's just her holding up a, a picture of Milestone's icon. And I'm like, that is a fiery take. All right, I got to watch this one. And they're like four or five minutes. So good stuff. We're going to be bringing in a lot more smart comics people, I think, in the future. And Zach, yeah. here's the thing. We got uh, – we're a ways away from this, but I'm I'm a planner, right? I'm, I'm a Hickman-esque mm-hmm. planner, it's been said. And uh, well, we <laughs> – By yourself right now. <laughs> right now, I said it, so it has been said. Um we have episode 100. We have what will be mm-hmm. our 100th episode of My Marvelous Year coming in the near-ish future, before the year is Two done. Two months, Okay, yeah. so if you have thoughts on uh, guests you'd potentially like to see and their home addresses, that part's crucial, please let us know. You can do so at mymarvelousyear at gmail.com, uh, at mymarvelousyear on social or uh, if you are one of our exclusive Slack members over at patreon.com slash year, you can do it that way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just suggestions in general. I just got a suggestion for somebody else. I have to check out their work um, to have on for a guest. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have it. We have a lot of comics we're going to be talking about. So, um, one little bit of news, I guess, just in the world of comics. News. Uh, DC. Hit me with that. We don't do news often enough. Hang on. I know, me, but I'm excited you about this one. Breaking. Oh, I'm, being, I'm being handed uh, a piece of paper here. It says DC Universe is maybe being fixed for the world. Um, so DC Universe. Who, who wrote announced. that headline? They're sacked. <laughs> they DC Universe. Heartily sacked. <laughs> <laughs> this this copy just says DC Universe may be fixed for the world. What, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. So this I I think this is very exciting, and I think people will just be interested to hear this. If you're not aware, DC Universe is like it's like kind of half Marvel Unlimited, half DC Netflix. Uh, trying to be at a comic forum and it's like a little bit not good enough at anything to be <laughs> to be that successful although i think their comic uh part is, is pretty good and they just decided they're gonna nix the tv stuff it's going over to hbo max and it's gonna be turned into dc universe infinite which is a clumsy name in january turned into a full-blown uh, I, I just don't hate comics it. app. i don't hate it i think dc infinite would have been better than dc universe infinite but dc infinite could be just like endless politics and nobody wants that <laughs> that's nobody yeah so th- th- i mean the big changes are just going to be strictly comic so hopefully some of the issues with their app will clean up um and then they're going to go to six months behind just like marvel unlimited oh you think the app will actually improve in this process i i, hope I don't have a lot I of confidence in so. that i think it'll just yeah. be I mean, the, the same app but without the movies and stuff because that yeah, Warner's told so. them that had to go to hbo the app's not a disaster just a little slow it's still a lot it's of comics you know, yeah. which is yeah. really oh, all I, mean, I look I, for. I read tons of comics on it, yeah. And then the the big news, I think, for at least like our members, because we have a pretty international audience, is that it's going to go fully global by 2021, summer 2021. So that's pretty exciting, because I think the TV shows are holding it back. So, and we're going to try to go fully global around the same time. You know, right now yeah. we've been kind of limited. We've been holding ourselves back, I think, in terms of our global appeal. You know, definitely a lot of U.S.-based appeal is how we started. Um, but my plans for 2021, I, I, want, I want to be big robust, in a different country. We I want a pretty robust huge. South American listenership. Th- okay, let's let's capitalize on that. Let's go let's, all let's in. Let's learn Spanish. I, I'm I'm not. That's the one language I could do because I have a baseline. In Portuguese. I ordered yeah. a pizza from Pizza Hut in Puerto Rico uh, one time. In all Spanish. In entirely oh, in Spanish. I thought you were going to say, like, it was in English, but I was in Puerto Rico. It was entirely, <laughs> no, it was a Spanish-speaking section of the country. Um, and I, I did the whole, th- I said, yo quiero, big New Yorker. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then we had the conversation from there. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, let's see, what did I want to bring up itunes if you would leave us a review on itunes that would be greatly appreciated and we have to come up with a new prompt basically for people to drop in itunes in their reviews uh, i don't remember our i, got I one. think our last one was I like got one. I, oh I, no i got one okay let's duel them out and see that. which one's better i was gonna say what's your hottest zach-esque take on like something that you know you're like <laughs> whoa whoa whoa, whoa. In, you're calling hot takes zach-esque <laughs> no i'm saying like that the, kind, the kind of ones that you like branding there and i love it <laughs> You, you might be, like, afraid to say in polite comic company, you know, 
like my my okay this is good yeah yeah so i want you to so if you go to itunes you can rate and review the my marvelous year pod um which we would greatly appreciate it helps us out a ton and makes our day and Mm -hmm. then leave us your the the take that you have about comics that makes you the most nervous to say in front of other comics people and we will share some of our favorites uh on the show please yeah yep i think think we've definitely uh, talked about ours enough um Mine, mine continues oh, to be yeah. the V for Vendetta one, which I kind of throw out there occasionally, and I haven't yeah. gotten beat up over yet. Um, but I'm just waiting. I'm just. I mean, waiting. people don't people respect that comic. I don't know how many people are like that is in my personal pantheon of top five comics. Of You're right. Time. You're right. No, I need yeah, to go hotter. I, I need to go hotter. Like when yeah. I, I I've said a number of times now, and I still have gotten away with it. So I guess I'm going to do it again. Uh, dogs, like dogs, super overrated. Yeah. <laughs> super overrated. <laughs> All right. Um. So uh, I I mean I think we didn't get any. Uh, getting rating we got some review or ratings but not reviews but i think it's probably because you uh that your prompt was like what's your weirdest memory at a movie theater that you were seeing a superhero movie in and it's like i, I don't know who who's got those everyone those first off everyone has those second off don't blame my prompt don't blame yeah, well, my blame prompt, prompt for lack of desire to go to apple and rate and review <laughs> us Come um on. yeah it's actually not itunes i have to start switching to apple podcast i actually have one we went to go to the drive-in to see a movie, not and I saw the not at the I saw the new concert, mutants. You were at an actual drive-in. Yeah, I was at a drive-in movie theater, and I saw the new mutants in my rearview mirror. This is an watching... awesome story. Yeah, <laughs> it was like perfectly in my actually it was in my driver's side mirror. Um, and uh, we went to go see the Muppet movie, 1979's original The Muppet Zach, movie. Zach drive-in. saw the OG Muppets overseeing yep. the brand new New Mutants, and I yep. support the decision. Fantastic! Yep. I love it. Yeah, so I saw like some of it in my rearview mirror. I saw like some creepy monsters. I saw uh, Danny fighting the bear. Um, not Danny, uh, Magic fighting the bear. I saw her portal hopping. It was pretty cool. Pretty good movie, I'd say. Like your review of Mutants is very positive, <laughs> but you just you yeah. have to contextualize if you see it through your rearview mirror while watching the Muppet movie. Well, the thing this movie you know rocks. why it probably was good to me was because like every time I I was watching it, it looked bright and flashy. Right, it was like the big exciting moments, but that's because it's such a dark movie mm-hmm. that it would only catch my attention in the mirror when something was happening, you know? And all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden, like, something, a flurry of movement would be happening in my peripheral vision. I'd watch The Mutants for 30 seconds and be like, oh, wow, that's pretty exciting. And then I'd go back to, <laughs> to Kermit. <laughs> Someday we'll find it. The Rainbow Connection. The Lovers. The Dreamers. And me. That one. Pretty, pretty good, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Pretty- I work on that one regularly regular impression speaking of regular impressions we have some good questions today including yep. one from an irish listener um and we will be talking about them on the show so <laughs> this is don't know why you had to specify he was irish because i like doing impressions of, of irish accents oh <laughs> that okay was, that was my loose uh, loose connection there um so yeah we're going to be catching up on some listener questions in between where are we going here this is coming out after 1986 part six three Yep. Part yeah, six, yeah. and this, which this was our, our Squadron Supreme coverage. What's that? That's our ninth episode of 1986. We've been stuck in 86 for so long. You know, I don't I don't feel like I've been stuck in an 86, do you? No, not not. It's, it's been a long actually, time. I I, I'd be curious as, uh, as our club members and readers if they felt like we were stuck in a particular gear for a while. No, we've been, we've been reading enough stuff, and, like, it's, I mean, despite some episodes that I've been kind of lukewarm on, like, the, uh, the bar's been pretty high, so, like, I've been at least happy to discuss everything. And 1987, first two episodes, full of good stuff. Um, yeah, so yeah, look, we're moving into 87, that'll be after this week's coverage, um, but right now we're gonna tackle some, some good questions, so let's do that. I'm gonna pull up the ones that I got in the exclusive My Marvelous Year Slack. If you are interested in joining the My Marvelous Year Slack. It's a community of uh, well over 100 comics fans who just are going through this My Marvelous Year reading journey and enjoying comics like us. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash Year, and I think now for as little as $1 a month, you can get access. Uh, no, no, that's for the spreadsheet. That's for the spreadsheet. For the spreadsheet it's yep. for as little as $5 a month. You get access to the exclusive Slack. Is that correct? Yep, you get access to the Slack. You get access to My Ultimate Year six months ahead of time. Six months early in public. on the Ultimate Year, and yeah. Whenever I finish editing episodes, I just put them up on the the Patreon for $5 backers. So sometimes you get an episode two days early. Sometimes you get an episode two weeks early. I already put up 1987 Part 1. So uh, if you're hearing this, it's already there waiting for you. Nice. Nice. There you go. All right. So here are questions that were submitted by Aaron on behalf of John, a.k.a. Farmer John. 
a, a mm-hmm. My Marvelous Year uh, a Patreon, a My Marvelous Year Shared Universe hero slash villain. First question, which character would you most like to see a fake documentary about? Uh, I don't know why fake is included in that, because I would like to see documentaries about plenty of Marvel characters, and I'd like to see them in the real world. Um, Zach, I'll throw it to you first. Who do you think would be the most interesting? Ooh, uh, I didn't think about this at all. Mind you go first. Okay. My <laughs> answer, my, the first name that came to mind was Dr. Adam Brashear, a.k.a. the Blue Marvel. Now, we have not gotten to him in the yeah, reading club. That is. He won't show up in the Marvel Universe for a number of years now, but I think a documentary about his life would be absolutely excellent. Uh, if you've read the Al Ewing written Ultimates, that is probably the biggest series that he has been in in contemporary Marvel. I think other really cool, like T'Challa, Black Panther, I mean, Shuri, anyone inside Wakanda, how is that documentary not fascinating? Mm. You know, because I think, like, it, it has to go into the royal family and then by proxy, like, the nation of Wakanda. I think that's a really interesting... Honestly, like, even just a comic that took that approach to storytelling. Um, that You know, there are bits and pieces here in, like, the priest run or in even, like, ta Coates into the culture. Uh, that, to me, would be super interesting. So before I share any more, Zach, what do you think? Um, I don't know, Jean Grey. She dies a lot and comes back. I think it'd be kind of interesting to get someone's perspective on that. Go go into the psychology maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. about yeah. uh, Jean Grey. What's she going through? What's she thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe like a new mute, like a Seven Up style New Mutants documentary, right? Like visit these kids every few years, see where they're at. Oh. Okay. Maybe like an or just a mutant. Like yeah, that's my answer. Seven Up, but for mutants. Seven Up them. for mutants. You, okay, cool. You know that documentary series? No, I don't. Oh, it's a. Uh, it sounds like that movie. British kids. It sounds like that movie that did great not that long ago. That was about like a kid growing up. It was like his whole life. Yeah, it is. It's uh, so they started when they're seven years old. Kind of did a little documentary about a bunch of seven-year-old British kids, and then at fourteen they did a. Um, another movie and then 21 and so on and so forth and yeah. i think they're up to either 56 i think or uh 63 they just did um yeah it's interesting so that but with some mutants so the new mutants <laughs> cool all right hit john's next question was uh would you rather be tickled by the hulk for five minutes or yes. attend an evening of folk songs and stories by rick jones oh oh there's another option uh yeah, so definitely. Still <laughs> I like the idea of would you rather's that are one thing. <laughs> would you rather be tickled by Hulk for five minutes? End. End of question. Uh, <laughs> I would pick Rick's songs and stories for sure. For sure. You would not. Why? No. God, I feel like we've already had that. Like we've read those in the uh, in the comics, and they're really five minutes. Fun. Five minutes is short enough that even if it's a bad song, like you can bail mm-hmm. in the middle of it because you you know RJ is going seven no, and a no, half minutes No, no, it's five minutes minimum. of tickling or an evening of folk songs and stories. It's a whole oh, thing. you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's not five minutes of songs. Ooh, that I like does barely, change it. I, I, I don't mean, think you survive enough, five like, minutes of Hulk tickling. Yeah, I would. Um, I barely like want to go to concerts of bands that I love now, now that I'm like in my 30s. You know, like the whole thing is just exhausting. So, yeah, like, concerts, go- if you're not into, uh, I don't know, like smashing up against strangers... Um, which right now never more popular, <laughs> like never more popular. Getting real close to strangers, um, I yeah. I, especially as I get older, it's just like I don't know. It always seemed goofy, like concerts that had seats. You know, like I went to Wilco in college and it was like seated, like in a like in an auditorium, and it was like, what, what is are you this? gonna dance to? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, but now I'm like, that sounds amazing. That's exactly what I want. Did you want to mosh to Wilco? <laughs> I thought I might. Yeah, I thought I might really, especially as they were touring for. Uh, the first of their dad rock albums <laughs> and uh, right, debuting like... impossible Germany. But anyway, it was, a, it was a fine show. It was a fine <laughs> show. All right. What, uh, what do we have next? Do you want to read some or All should right. I? Keep yeah, going? I'll read, I'll read uh, Dave's email here. Dear Dave and Zach, uh, Dave I have a Dave. few thoughts. Yeah. I think that was clear through context. <laughs> there was no context. <laughs> you just said, I'm going to read Dave's email. I'm the Dave. <laughs> the Dave. I have a few thoughts and questions related to Frank Miller's excellent work across Daredevil and Elektra this year. Firstly, thank you, Frank, for giving Daredevil an Irish girlfriend and not reaching for the most outrageous accent possible. Your uncharacteristic restraint was much appreciated. Second, what do you guys think of the way the Born Again arc was adapted in Daredevil Season 3? Uh, I have not watched past... I didn't even finish You're a one. noted got, like, Daredevil Netflix hater. Uh, I think I binged, well documented. like... Yeah, binge like the first eight episodes of that show and then was like, I don't even really want to finish the season. So. I would say 
I really liked season three. Uh, it definitely it was the it was quite enjoyable, especially because Marvel Netflix had really taken uh, a dive at that point. Um, it it had not released. I don't think much of anything very compelling in some time. So I liked it a lot for that reason, because by contrast, it was quite good. Uh, it also adapts Born Again pretty well. It's not nearly as good as Born Again. It's a very flexible adaptation, which I tend to think are the best kinds of adaptations in the MCU and um, and like in Marvel Netflix. So because they did things loosely and they, you know, they, they picked the elements to them that could work. And they dropped ones that I thought would make me cringe. For example, Karen, like Karen's whole descent is not a part of that. And for the better, I, I think had they gone that route, it yeah, would have been I can't a mess. imagine that show handling that well. <laughs> I can't, well, what show would? I mean, you know, like that's not I mean, a lot of superhero shows, but show. That, that show that is not particularly subtle. I think. I mean, what a show can't have addiction in it. Like uh, that is very taboo. Like, I can't believe you'd even say that. That that could <laughs> yeah. be on television. Yeah, no, I think it. it yeah, I, I like that actress a lot, but she was one of my least favorite parts of that show. I, I think I like her personally. Like, I've seen her DM D&D games on uh, online on the internet. And she's like, what's. I can't remember her name, but uh, Deborah Ann Wool, I think. Um, Deborah Ann Wolf, I think. Very charming. Uh, yeah, oof, I like, I like I her as Karen Page. I feel like she, I feel like she and uh, whoever portrayed Foggy got a Hated lot of them. heat. Hated and I like so both much. of them a lot, actually. Oof, yeah. Yeah, they were a big part of uh, dragging that show. The only thing... I mean, otherwise, I actually kind of like the casting of that show. I think the uh, well, Daredevil... Well, you, you resent Kingpin Foggy because you kind of look like him, I think, was part of it. And you like you guys yeah. have the same hair, you know, and you're always... But I, I do think you're definitely taller than Foggy. I'd be shocked yes. if you weren't taller than Foggy. I would not be shocked if Karen was taller than you. And that could be some of your resentment there. <laughs> That's No, no. Here's the thing. Women who are taller than me... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Men who are taller than me, stay away. Immediate, immediate. Or stay uh, seated. <laughs> stay away or stay seated. All right, perfect. All right, cool. Uh, he's got a. He's got one more thing. Finally, I found that Electro Assassin was a hugely enjoyable ride. Seeing Miller and Sinkevich. Sinkevich. Good job. Really, Let Rip was a joy, even during the many instances when I wasn't sure what was actually happening. It's a similar feeling to watching the best movies of Dario Argento or David Lynch. You guys said as much when you covered the story and got me to wondering, to what degree are you willing to forgive a relative lack of narrative substance and or cohesion in favor of pure, giddy, stylistic flair? Thank mm. you, and may all your years be marvelous. Dave the Irishman. Thank you, Dave. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely willing to forgive it to a pretty large degree when the creators have built up a bedrock of trust. When I already have reason, I think, mm -hmm. to trust them, unless unless creators come out of the gates with like a first time I've read their work so strong, so incredibly strong that you can just and, and generally this means artistically, you know, like I would say Ian Bertram's work on Little Bird, a recent image comic series. It's a book you can just pick up and be like, oh, this is some of the best artwork. And now it's Eisner winning. And I'm not surprised. Um that type of book and, and it's got a rock solid story too so it's not yeah that's example. totally coherent yeah um but like yeah. with Sienkiewicz as his style gets more esoteric especially on Electro Assassin which is the most esoteric thing we've seen in the Mime World of the Year mm -hmm. Club um because we know Miller and Bill and what they're able to bring to the table it's like yeah take us for a ride let's see where this goes do crazy stuff and let's see stylistically what you can deliver I mean there's only Graham Morrison is a writer that a storyteller that I will now definitely have more uh, flexibility allowing them to get away with that. Um, I think, you know, you'll see across the big two lines in particular, it's actually, I actually probably have more flexibility than I'm acknowledging here because it's so rare that creators really get to let loose, you mm -hmm. know, like there's a certain, yeah. there's a certain template of consistency, whether it's, you know, house art styles or just like, kind of here's how we tell a story in marvel that you know only the jonathan hickmans get to come in with x-men and break you know um which is one example there are others who get to do it certainly but those examples stand out so i'm actually for stylistic invention even if it makes the story muddled like even if it doesn't work because they tried something new i guess more often than not at least at this point and that's probably just because i've read so many comics i don't know that i always felt that way yeah yeah there i mean especially when we're doing something like this there is just a part of it and i don't think that's even a large part of it but there's a part of it that is just like ooh, this is fresh this is like so fresh to me right like it, it's just it's a breath of fresh air that it's trying something new well and you're um, always I, yeah no, you're always you guys don't know this but we actually have intro music when we show up for the pod 
Um, and we should really start playing that, but copyright issues get in the way. Zach's always got Outcast So Fresh, So Clean going on mm-hmm. a little tiny boombox on his shoulder. Um, and he's just like, so fresh, so fresh. Like, that's his, that's his thing. <laughs> you know, it's kind of his catchphrase. I think I, I totally agree with you that um, there, yeah, like a level of trust in the creators is, is huge for like giving something the, the time and attention, right? The, uh, the, like the buy-in of that. Um, it's either, it's either trust in the creator in like the case of Electro Assassin or, you know, maybe like that it has a reputation for being something that's notable, right? Yeah. That will like kind of, kind of signal that it's worth putting in the effort. I, I don't know. In comics, it's, uh, it's tough for me. I think like this is, this doesn't come up in comics that much because I don't think I read that many really experimental comics, right? Like there's a handful I've read that are, you know, very like art museum piece kind of things. Well, um, that's a whole sometimes, scene. And it, it I guess yeah. to that end, it's like kind literally of the ones I that you buy in the gift shop much. of the art museum, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, I do prefer story over experimental art, like truly experimental art, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. I, because yeah. I can wrap my head around it. Um, if something reaches a certain status and enough smart people are saying, hey, here's kind of some guidelines to walk into this. Maybe maybe I'm more interested in approaching it, I suppose. Sure, yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I mean, movies are probably the more, you know, the thing I experience more that, like, plays with form, uh, you know, a lot more. I like, watch a lot more experimental movies than I watch read experimental comics, but, like, or art comics, I guess. I don't know, I'm trying to think of the last one I read that really connected with me. Um, are you a big stereo- experimental music listener? Like, would, would you get really no, into, like, Yoko Ono no. projects? <laughs> no, no <laughs> like, not really. Yeah, same. I mean, I... No, I don't have much tolerance for that. Even, like... Even like math rock or something, like the more extreme examples of it. Um, it yeah, I don't know. Like it's not. I want. I want things like Captain Beefheart and his Magic Band. Um, mm-hmm. Trout Mac, Mass oh, yeah. Replica yeah. is the one that gets right, held yeah. up. Is like for some reason this is in the rock and roll canon. For some reason this is like check mm-hmm. out the, and it's just everything's off about it. Everything's wrong. Um, and I've tried and I've tried and it never works for me. Right. And then, but then you listen to some of his other stuff when it's like just him making oh, he's got some music. It's really good. Songs. Yeah. Yeah. It can be this gorgeous songwriting. Uh, so, like, uh, that level of break your brain experiment probably isn't that appealing to me. Um, but, you know, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Inventions, yeah, I'm here for it. Right. Yeah. You know, it'd be a good yeah. comic documentary. Frank Zappa. Where's the Life of Frank book? I bet that'd do well. You think so? Hey, let me ask you something. Yeah. There's okay, a yeah. <laughs> upcoming Kurt Vonnegut adaptation, not Kurt Vonnegut adaptation, but Kurt Vonnegut Slaughterhouse-Five is being adapted or has been adapted mm-hmm. by the writer Ryan North, and I forget yeah. the other's name off the top of my head. Yeah, great, and it's great getting, reviews. Yeah. It's getting great reviews. It's getting praise that is literally like, this is probably better than the book. Question one, have you read it? Question two, no. how offended are you by headlines like that? Because those bother me a lot, <laughs> actually. And I love comics, really. We, I, we were talking about this in the... Uh, the slack a little bit because someone got it and started reading it yeah um and uh it, it's slaughterhouse five for some reason in my head it was catch 22 catch 22 is another personal that, favorite of mine probably my favorite book period uh but oh, it is slaughterhouse five. We, that makes a lot more sense because i was like how do you adapt i mean how do you adapt catch 22 and to be like they made a movie of it you know it was basically like a mash well yeah attempt. but it's not like i don't know yeah i saw a little bit of the art i i was confused um I don't know. I've read Slaughterhouse Five. I'm not like as personally connected as a lot of people. I Are you a Vonnegut guy? I like, I like Vonnegut. I've read like three of his books. I, I like, like him. Not he just love. has never like. Yeah, yeah. I, he's never been like. I I know some people just have this like huge admiration for him. He's I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan, but I also have not read any of his work since college. Yeah, I think Slaughterhouse Five, Sirens of Titan, um, something else. Anyway, Breakfast. In uh, America. So yeah, I mean, Cat's Crater. That's interesting. I I don't know if that's like Earthquake. that necessary. Of a um, a headline to write, but you know, like I, I so I was just reading. I, I get um, it as a headline, but I'm saying like there's an actual vibe out there of like this comic does the book better than the book, and I don't yeah. know. It just sort of it just seems way too. It's it's that recency bias taken to extremes, where it's like, listen, you can like yeah. the comic and not denigrate <laughs> the literary classic in the process like that's fine like you don't have yeah. to oversell it um, i've been saying that about a different book though like all year so i read for christmas rose got me jinji ito the horror manga artist yeah, yeah. And comic writer he's he's been doing novel adaptations lately so he did frankenstein two years ago which i think was good but he's adapting like... them into manga yeah right okay cool and then last year he did no longer human which is a 1948 Japanese novel. It's the second best-selling novel in Japan. Yeah. Um, 
it's like a huge, you know, it's, it's a classic over there, Catcher in the Rye, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird level of you know, uh, literary classic there. Sure. And he did a graphic novel, and then I read the graphic novel, and then I read went and read the novel, and I appreciated both kind of think the graphic novel is like the superior <laughs> work i guess um, if you read them almost in tangent it, it is that thing of like my v for vendetta take where i'm like i saw the v for vendetta movie first i dug mm-hmm. it a lot at that point in my life and yeah. then i read the comic many years later and i was like yeah i already had this story it was better then <laughs> i don't yeah, know if you yeah, read yeah. them concurrently or, or time displaced from the way they actually come out in the world or the I suppose that does first. Shift things yeah right yeah yeah, anyway, just a recommendation. Junji Ito's No Longer Human, like, maybe the best comic I've read all year. That comic Dang. is incredible. Yeah, I've, I mean, yeah, really, real, real masterpiece. Like Junji Ito, No Longer Human. I'm setting a yeah. reminder right now. Yeah. Um, love that. Ugh, love that guy's stuff. He just, uh, I just read a whole bunch of stuff for him called Cat Diaries, and it was just, like, him telling the story of him and his wife getting some cats but told through like a horror lens yeah but, like he's kind of the monster in it because he uh <laughs> i don't know the cats are standoffish to him and he draws himself as this like big terrifying creature to them who's trying to get their attention really hard and it's uh it's very funny fair um fair. any oh, other right, questions think, in the email i no? think we do have one let me uh let me pull oh, it up we? here uh we had a thing from dan M. Oh goodness, Jesus! Oh, it's so long. It's quite good. Okay, I'm not so going to read the whole thing, but I am going to address the. the it's a, it's called a unified field theory of Zach's hot takes. <laughs> God, this is. Wild. It is a very good, very good email, Dan. Thank you <laughs> for your support oh, well, and for this. Yeah, email. go on. Go let on. me let me share the general the gist of it, okay? So Dan yeah. says, after listening to multiple episodes of Zach's tipid responses to creators like Simonson and Claremont, but his continued devotion to Burn, something crystallized for me. Zach has noted a few times that he prefers issues to, in quotes, stand on their own, and is not as excited by story arcs that serve mainly to develop the larger mythology of a series. Very few issues or arcs can do both of these things at a high level at the same time, so must prioritize one of these two objectives. He writes a lot beyond this, but this idea is actually very interesting to me. Um, The idea of prioritizing the single issue versus the long game plan. This is something... So I listened yesterday to an interview with writer Teeny Howard, who's currently writing Marvel's Excalibur. It was on the Battle of the Atom podcast, and it's a very good interview. And in the middle of that, she talks about one of the less... So, like, Jonathan Hickman has kind of, like, brought her into the X-Men fold, and kind of, like, the vibe is he's taken her under her wing, maybe in a way that other... Like, more so than maybe any other creator in that fold. Okay, he's definitely, like, like mm-hmm. guiding her into like a huge presence. Now she's co-writing the big Ten of Swords event that's coming out as we release this. Um, yeah. But one thing she talked about was part of his advice being like, slow down. Like you don't need to jam every idea in there. Take your time. Like this series is going to be going for a while. And that idea is actually very, because clearly that is his philosophy with his comics work is the thing that Hickman gets celebrated for so often is seeding ideas early coming back to them and building them over time and payoff being amazing. And obviously this is a thing that Claremont is probably most well known for. I mean, I think in the scale of Marvel comics, I don't think anyone had done it. No, I won't say that even. I was going to say, I don't think anybody had done it as like purposefully as Claremont, except that's probably not true. It's, it actually goes back even to silver age. You know, you get those panels or two of seeds that then get paid off in three issues or whatever, right? It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. tried and true in yeah. the medium, but the, the, pacing of it can change and teeny talks a lot in this interview about like trying to write for the single issue readers trying to Mm -hmm. write for the monthly hit of adrenaline that people crave but also knowing that like hey this is once and and this is like paraphrasing her words once this is down this is on paper this is eternal and then there's going to be a full story people are going to read this binging it they're going to pick up trades they're going to read it via marvel unlimited they're not going to read it in that issue capacity so mm-hmm. that awareness from a creator is actually, I thought, very, very compelling and definitely, I think, speaks to what Zan- Dan's describing here in the dichotomy not, okay, of kind of what I you're looking for. Not what Dan is describing, what I have said many times. Yeah, Dan good job. Is just very, repeating it was just very what... smart of Dan to come up with that idea, I thought. It's drive um, me, drive me insane. He like he literally just, I, I read this whole email and I was just like, this is what I said. You didn't come up with a unified theory. This is what I've been saying. But it's ex- no, but he's ex- he's distilling and explaining. Yeah. I think where a lot of your hot takes are coming from, um, yeah. right? Yeah, can- I mean, I've said it many times. Like, I don't the the appeal of like, ooh, this is big important stuff for X Men history. 
I don't. I don't care. Like I don't care. Like if it's not enjoyable. To no, read, no, no. But you're you're missing the point here. Still, it is you, what that's what <laughs> you're saying is you only care about one. And Dan's saying both of these things matter. No, of course it does. I've said that. I've said that a million times. Oh my god. No, you I just always, said something completely no. opposite. I always. You just said you don't care about like, the mythology, so you're cutting off one no, of I the said two. Only if it is only about that. If this is like nothing's that only is what, about that. No, Literally not. Of course it's not. I know. But, like, if that is what people appreciate about it, if that is what I'm hearing, like, this is good because it's, you know, it's this big event for the X-Men, right? Like, it's, this has ramifications for a decade. I'm like, well, that, like... That doesn't make the in thing and of, in and of itself good. In and of itself sure. is not enough for me, right? Like, mythology building, Wikipedia page, I call it, like, you're just filling out the Wikipedia page. Right. I don't, I don't really care about that. And some people do. And like, I've, this is, we had this discussion about Mutant Massacre, literally, like, it's the same exact idea. For some people, it's just enough that this is, on paper, a big event for the X-Men, and that this will have historical, like, ramifications for the X-Men. That's compelling enough. For me, it needs to be compelling in the moment, also, to be, like, a successful comic. And I don't think that's crazy. I think comics need to be writing for the medium themselves, which is that they are monthly comic books. Right. right? These are individual issues. And if you're not leaning into that format, you are wasting the format. I I mean, again, this is this is the same thing I say about TV all the time, that like TV has lost track of the episode, especially in the age of streaming, and they write and produce TV shows for the season, right? Because they drop the whole season at once. And very few... Ep- I mean, there are total... There are a ton of uh, examples of this that, like, do it right. But right. shows that write for the episode are, like, rarer and rarer still, right? And, like, I love big world building stuff. I love seeing stuff play back into, like, the story. I mean, I wouldn't be reading superhero comics. I wouldn't be doing my Marvel here if I wasn't interested in that. It's just not enough for me to be like, well, that was compelling for me just because it was clearly something that's going to be, you know, talked about for 30 years in X-Men, right? Yeah. Like sometimes and sometimes right. I will go force myself to like choke down some so-so silver age issues because I'm curious about the historical thing, but that is not it's pretty rare for me. I have to be like really invested. Like for you, I think you're much more patient when it comes to that kind of like you are, you know, you're way into Hickman's X-Men, you're into the all the new X-Men line. And so like it is really compelling to you to go back and like dig through all this history regardless like, i think you actually literally said there's not an x-men comic you wouldn't be interested in reading right because right. you can because find that... little pieces here and there i mean i think that is yeah that's the thing though about like if you're reading superhero comics yeah. at the point where we're reading them which is 1986 moving now into 1987 and you're not invested in the big picture where's this going what's the impact how do we get from point a to point b piece of it you're going to read a lot of comics that aren't very interesting yeah. <laughs> because <Yep. laughs> that is the yes. nature of this story. True. Like that it is a shared universe across generations of creators and you have to invest in these characters and that idea for it to have any worth, I think, because, and I, I understand your challenge there, which is no, like, I, I don't your, think your challenge true. is still like, like, yeah, but tell a good story while you're moving in those directions. Um, and I think, like, obviously we disagree on the specifics of it. For Mutant Massacre, for me, is, like, there is a story there, but also yeah, it's moving sure. towards yeah, things, yeah. right? And we disagree about the effectiveness. But yeah. it's it, that idea of, like, I don't know. It, what I, I like the challenge that you're putting down, because that's what Teeny Howard is getting at. Is like, And I agree with this, too. In modern comics is if you drop an issue that's all seedling and, and it like, doesn't pay off for a long time, that can feel really disappointing. It's why there are a number of people who listen to my Crack and Krakoa series who are like, this Hickman X-Men stuff is slow and boring and it's not doing anything. Well, you know what? Like, you know? I, well, okay. One, I, I don't know if I agree with like, you need to, you know, it won't be worth it otherwise. Because I'm reading the Hickman. Like, I read Hawksbox and I read the first six months of Don of X. I found it very compelling, most of it, like, in and of itself, despite not knowing all that history, because I think he's a good storyteller, and those characters and those scenes and the plots going on are very interesting, right? So I don't, I don't think, like, that is that is a necessary component to this. I think it is a, a nice seasoning on top of everything. No, no, I'm, right? but like, I'm not even talking about the history. I'm talking about the approach to building new things, right? Because that's yeah. what Claremont is doing. Like, we know it in a historical context because we're reading it well after the fact. But if you're yeah, reading Mutant yeah. Massacre as it comes out... I think I I think as a fan the idea then is to expand out like I tried to deal with the current state of X-Men it, mm-hmm. and look at like well where is this going and that's where you start getting into like theories and predictions and just fan casting 
like where yeah. this stuff is moving. And I think if you're reading Claremont with that lens, which obviously is literally impossible for us because we were negative yeah. two, um, yeah. you know, like it's you could have been doing the same thing. And almost certainly, given what I what I know of where it's going, you would have been dead wrong. But it would have been fun to <laughs> try to think through like, hey, huge things are happening here. Where are we going with this? Um, mm-hmm. And you you aren't asking that question, I guess, in an interested way. You're more like, where are we going with this? <laughs> this I, I mean, this the, isn't working. To be fair, like there are plenty of Marvel events. There are plenty of superhero Marvel events that I find kind of bland in the moment. That I fu- that later um, creators will find fun stuff to do with and like almost retroactively yeah. make interesting. I actually people are gonna hate me for this. It's how I feel about Star Wars in the uh, in the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi makes me care about the original trilogy in a way. I never did, and, like, makes me interested in those characters in that, like, <laughs> legacy. How so? I know that's... I mean, just, like, Luke Skywalker is never, like, more compelling to me as, like, a... You know, and his whole, like, mythology than through the lens of The Last Jedi. I'm, you so, like, like him more with that future state, Luke, in mind. Right, and, like, it makes his past stuff more interesting, like, retroactive to me. Uh, Hickman is doing this with Krakoa, right? Like, I'm kind of... I don't know, the giant size X-Men number one, I think it's kind of an okay issue. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think, I think the well, let's not, stuff let's is not spoil least... Hoxbox because, you know, we run a podcast where in theory, yeah, we we, I won't there. get into it, but like Krakoa is a big, I mean, I think people will know your, your thing is called Kraken Krakoa. Like Krakoa is a huge <laughs> part <fair>. of that. <laughs> I um, that. <laughs> like I, I, I think giant size X, the Krakoa part is the least interesting part about that. Um, it's not, that it's issue. not cool because he pulled something from history. Right, it's not cool because but he, he, he has made it cool, and it is fun. Like I can't deny, like it is kind of fun for it to be like, hey, it's that thing that I recognize from back then, right? Yeah. But in the moment when I'm reading it, that does not automatically, you know, being like, ooh, like look, I can't wait to see what they do with this. Like, yeah, but we're not, not talking deep cut pulls in in the moment of Claremont and Simonson, right? Because yeah. they're pulling stuff from that they seeded one or two years ago. It's all right, part yeah, of yeah. their own sure. world building and their own run, right? Yeah, and I this, mean, part, part of it is also, like, I'm just a little tired of Claremont, right? Like, Well, and, and that's and so, that like, to me is interesting. That to me, as a standalone, is interesting because I wonder, and I said this exact thing on the previous podcast, but again, like, if a writer was on a title for 12 years, which is where we're at with Claremont right now, yeah, Marvel yeah. fandom would be like, get this guy out of here, almost certainly. Like, I can't yeah. imagine many exceptions. Dan Slott <laughs> made it a decade with Amazing Spider-Man, in the modern era, that's crazy long. He literally mo- wrote the most Spider-Man issues of anyone, and nobody by the end of that run was like, man, can't believe he's leaving. <laughs> like, yeah. It yeah. was time. It was time. You know, people want to see other people get at bats. Um, so the Claremont thing to me is like, it's historically fascinating and and commendable how long he was on the title. And the work he did and all the building he does there is is basically everything that we like about X-Men today. Um, along with all the collaborators, obviously. But it's also like, yeah, in a modern context, I mean, it's hard to imagine somebody working. I mean, that's like as long as Bendis was at Marvel, and that felt like period yeah. across a billion titles. You know, so it's it's pretty. Yeah, it, there is a very good chance that later something happens that like is a ramification of Mutant Massacre that I'm like, oh, pretty cool, pretty cool that they used it this way, right? So like that that doesn't necessarily invalidate that like this could spin into something that I, I find compelling. I will be surprised if you would like X-Men from this point forward um, th- through the end yeah. of the Claremont era, honestly, uh, because I actually think too, like once we get out of, I mean, really once we get out of burn, it's kind of like it, the doors open, right? Actually They're, to, to be, to clarify, I kind of like the X-Men issues of Butte Massacre. I thought they were fine. It was really X-Factor that like yeah, drove me insane. Right. So no, like no. if we're not reading X-Factor, like Claremont has just been like, yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's good. Sometimes he's got great moments and sometimes it's a little less compelling. But like, I, I think, I mean, I, I don't think Claremont is like writing bad comics by any means. Oh, no, not at all. But I do think we're in I'm just not the like, era that I would describe as more uh, the quality level uh, and the, the mission and the approach just kind of oscillates more. I think, mm-hmm. and again, like once you get out of Days of Future Past, Burn, which is 1982, I think, mm-hmm. you go through from 83 to 91, or really from 83 to 85, is kind of just like mm-hmm. open door. Like he teams up with Paul Smith, he teams up with John Romita Jr. We get like the the Brood Saga, I guess, is kind of like a s- bigger story that you can put. But they're just kind of going and doing whatever, and then you start to get into event territory, which is where we are now. So 86 yeah. through Fall 89, Executioner, yeah. Well, that's later, but 86 through 89 yep. is all uh, Mutant Massacre, Fall of the Mutants, Inferno. 
So it's it's event, 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 and everything's kind of building around these different events. So there there is a clearer almost center and structure to where the the episodes are going or where the issues are going. Um, I'll be curious if you like that more or not, because it, the other thing it does is because X Men is so big now, is it does it has to branch out, and it's now X Factor matters now. New Mutants ties in. Um, Excalibur. Excalibur's about to launch. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine's about to get his own solo series. So now it starts to the tendrils start to creep out in ways where it's it you know it is probably easier and was tighter when it was just Claremont and John Byrne and Dave Cochran before that doing the one X Men book and trying to make it cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll uh, I'll be curious. I mean, as as with all these comics, I try to keep my heart open to them as we go in. Sadly, um, it's three sizes too small, so it's a, it's a real <laughs> tiny door. But you know, you on on the plus side, we're we're reading some like pretty compelling stuff. Like Peter David's Hulk has me. Peter David's Hulk that we started in 1987. I won't talk about it too much. It's uh, it's like one of the first runs in a while that I'm just like, oh, I'm reading all this. Like I already went and read all the stuff that we skipped and like that we're skipping between. I'm very into this series. So yeah, the David McFarlane stuff. Hulk era is uh, quite good. Yeah. We've got a guest coming up, uh, Tiffany Babb, an yeah. excellent, excellent comics writer and an awesome podcast guest who will be joining us on our 87 coverage of those issues. So mm-hmm. uh, look forward to that because it is a that's a that's a nice era too because it's like oh finally like this series is taken off in a new direction um, mm-hmm. and it's very cool. So I don't know. I yep. feel like that it will we're getting there and we, you know we're a little ways off yet. I think what's going to happen with my Marvelous Year scheduling for those who are reading along with us is we will. I can't remember if this is released or recording, but we will be up to 1989 by the time 2020 finishes. So we yep. will we will finish 1987 and 1988. By the time this year ends, we will then be in 89 and into the 90s for 2021, okay? So we will be yep. moving into the next decade next year for sure. I think we'll just have the lingering ramifications of 89, um, if, like, for the month of January. So that's, yeah. gener- like, generally, we're going to be, like, 80s this year, 90s next year, um, which obviously 90s get a certain rap, <laughs> and we'll yeah. see, uh, you know, whether or not whether or not it lives up to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, because I... 90s is definitely the decade that I am absolutely the least uh, informed about. I haven't... For, for for Marvel, at least. I know DC a little better. Yeah. The 90s, but. I haven't mapped it out, but I actually yeah. wonder if we'll go faster through the 90s um, because it, there might be a little less to sink our teeth into, right? Sure. <laughs> to, put it, to put it kindly. And also, um, the stuff that would really bog us down, like Age of Apocalypse is one, Clone and Saga. Clone Saga is the other, and Onslaught... I, I'll think about how we want to approach those. I don't. I don't know that, that we're going to get. I don't know that we're going to do like two months on Age of Apocalypse, for example. No, that feels too right. long. <laughs> I would argue. Yeah, I mean, may, I mean, Age of, Age, of, Age of Apocalypse and Clone Saga, maybe two issues. I think Clone Saga, episodes? we probably do one episode. Yeah, maybe yeah, two, I, I, and then throw it to the club and say, if you want to do extra issues, here's the rest of this crazy thing. But we yeah. we can summarize it uh, in an app. I think. I agree. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into the, you know, kind of a more modern era. The, though I am, I mean, uh, one of the things I'm most curious about is Rob Liefeld, genuinely. Just um, as a as an individual, as a talker, as a modern... Like, I've never really, I've never <laughs> modern, really read, uh, like, firebrand. Full, yeah, I listened to one of his podcasts, though. I listened, he had a episode about um, John Byrne that I thought was actually quite good. He's a, He's got a real enthusiasm. He's a heck him, of a talker. Like, his, Kind of, you know what? Like, got it. I have to give him props. You and him are basically the only two podcasters I know who can do a solo podcast and have it be <laughs> kind of compelling. Because, like, that is a that is a tough skill. Like, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. It's very tough to have one compelling when it's just one person talking into a mic. Um, and his his was good. His was totally listenable. Me like, and Bobby L. Knowledgeable. We got what even it if takes. it was just him. Gush. I mean, it was just gushing about John Byrne. I like he, John Byrne. So. You know, it's it's kind of a bummer because he's gone from. It's not quite the Starenko turn, but he's gone from, like, fascinating older comics personality to, oh, this guy's clearly a jerk pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and apparently he has a history of this, a long history of this. We actually, John Galati actually wrote a really good Rob Liefeld profile on Compact Herald. Um, I think it was, like, October last year. And it's as fair and as balanced a view of him as you'll find kind of highlighting like what does he do well what has he done for comics but then also like what are all the things where he's just like burned bridges and taking people down and you see him not like there was a new mutants announcement in on twitter of the next creative team with Vita Ayala and uh, Rod Rice which I'm super pumped for and he has to dump on that 
in a tweet, you know? And it's like he's just bitter about not getting X-Men work, and he's dumping on new up-and-coming creators. Like, he's he is petty to, to an extreme fault. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about that when we get to the 90s and when we get to his work because it's like dude has a thumbprint. Dude has a big thumbprint on Marvel, sure. and yeah. uh, and it's got to be talked Huge. about for sure. So I don't know. I, I don't care for the way he's uh, conducted himself of late. I'm definitely not a How fan. How he comports himself. I, yeah. His character is lacking. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I think let's, uh, do you, do you have any heroes or villains? We didn't talk about this. Uh, I don't. And okay, I fine. could I can... do one, but you know how that goes. <laughs> no, that, that, let's, we'll just stick with the pre-written ones. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I, I was just thinking of your, like, um, you know, spontaneous, like, all right. So my hero this time and like leans back in the chair, hands behind your head. It's like um, it's like Mad Men when the um, the like the new hotshot like twenty eight year old yeah. ad agents come in and they start yeah. like pitching a Don Draper. I, I'm de- I definitely feel like Don Draper in those moments, just watching. You feel I make you feel like Don Draper. Yeah, I always feel like Don. Draper, but <laughs> <laughs> you know that that You're checks the, I, out I, because he is well, an I, arrogant, uh, awful monster of a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone always. I mean, if we get one piece of. Um, feedback consistently it's definitely that we have that like peggy don draper dynamic i mean if that makes me peggy i am here for it i know peggy's definitely cool peg me peg me with that peggy label right (laughs) (laughs) all right just gotta turn this uh put the explicit tag on this episode and we're gonna re-upload to pornhub okay good Good, good. (laughs) all right so um this oh you know what? I'm gonna do a quick reading of all of our ten dollar and up patrons because we haven't done that in a while. Yes, awesome. I thank thank everybody real quick. Um, we've got Steve. The I'm, I'm gonna cut last names. Someone asked me to stop using their last name, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah. Use an initial. I I do that on my stuff, and I kind of realized recently we should probably not get. Yeah. We can stop listing their socials as well, probably. Yeah, um, yeah. I like the people who send us in questions with their like work email and like work email address and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those number. are great. Uh, it's also like every Marvel Letters column ever where people mm-hmm. are just like, hey, come visit me. <laughs> Here's where <laughs> I'm from. It's like, oh, my gosh. How could you do that? Wouldn't do that nowadays. Stephen T. T that, now I'm speaking weirdly because I'm. I mean, we know Stephen, this one. We know this one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Stephen. What way are you walking right now? Huh? What way are you walking? Would you say? Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> uh Steven, the naysayer, Peter, the colossal chick man, CJ, the backup generator, Kurt, the reflector, Aaron, overwhelm, Ben, the laughing knight, Johannes, tiny vampire, Kyle, the blue flamingo, Jorg Eitner, oops, sorry, Jorg. (laughs) 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 I was just, uh, I was really focused on getting his last name correct, because I always mess up. Uh, cut that out. Yorg, son of son of God, Eric, silver cerebellum, Austin, fever baby, Justin, KOS, Braylon. Gravian, Nate, Long Distance, Muddy, Holy Diver, Jose, the DM, Kyle S, Tar Hellion, Dave, the Irishman, Rick, Madam Butterfly, Dan, Dr. General, Alex, Ollie Fortune, and Ewan Sequence Joan. Um, and, and can I right. just say how cool it is that we have that many names uh, to oh, read there's... off at our $10 tier for the My Marvelous Year Shared Universe characters? Yeah. Thank you yeah, all cool. so much. That is extremely generous. And it makes doing the My Marvelous Year podcast uh, worth it because, you know, honestly, like that level of encouragement and support uh, goes a long way to what is a uh, a lot of episodes. Again, we're approaching episode 100 here and it, we put in a, a lot into making this happen. So thank you all for supporting that. Speaking of which, we're at like 670 on Patreon. If we hit 700 bucks, it's only like $30 away. We're going to read and do a special episode about Trouble by Mark Millar. That's right. This was uh, Zach's oh. idea, courtesy of Matt Draper, another guest we got coming up mm-hmm. here in the My Marvel This Year future. And, sexiest uh, comic in all of Marvel. What's that? The sexiest comic in all of Marvel. Yeah, we finally... So, you know, it's it's regarded as a danger to society, and it's a Marvel comic <laughs> that never should have happened, and Too it also allows, Aunt, yeah. or it allows Zach to really dig into his Aunt May fetish. Uh, so if you guys want to hear us talk about that on a Patreon exclusive, you can go and uh, if you support us at patreon.com slash year, you will get access to that. We announced this and we immediately got people backing us <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to I try know. and perpetrate very... this crime upon us. So, um, you know, it's kind of it kind of like, I don't know what the word is. It's a I've little sadomachismo, as I like to call it. 
I read it as um like as a teenager, right? Like as it was coming out, I like got the trade paperback from the uh, the library, and that uh, was in a library. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. strongest case I've ever yeah, it's, heard. It's about not even on Marvel Unlimited, which is funny because it's not like explicit, right? Like you know, I, isn't I mean, it honestly, though? like isn't it? No, it's, in a bikini? it's really not. That's a little explicit. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, actual Marvel comics get much more, like, actually explicit and revealing. If I saw a it's library just... with a copy of Marvel, I would... I Would I... Here's the, here's the choice. Would I, A, <laughs> covertly destroy the copy, or B, report that library to somebody, some institution I trust, of which there are very few these days? <laughs> yep, okay. Yeah, yeah, just... Uh, or, or sign it, like... <laughs> sign it myself? This yeah, is, sign on the I should, that's what I should Dave do. Voted Comic Book Comic Herald's Book worst Herald. comic of all time and then signed it myself. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. So I've got a new character here. A new oh, you have one? Yeah, I got one. Oh, I, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken us to the end game if I knew that. All right. Go ahead. Um, this is uh, this is Jeff. Jeff Pop. He told me I could use his full name and uh, great name. I love this name. Jeff Pop's very funny to me. That's a good name. Um, yeah, it's good. It's got a real pop to it. Um. He is a, uh, a janitor down by the docks and all those old warehouses down, down by, by the docks. The docks. And he's uh, he's sweeping up one morning. He's in first thing in the morning. What is, what's all over the ground here? It looks like some kind of some kind of ritual was happening here. Like maybe got interrupted. All over the ground is uh, little pieces of magic toffee, little little toffee crumbles, and they're like vibrating. How, how does he like know it's scattering. magic? Because they're all scattering around, they're like kind of trembling and dancing around. So he scoops them up, and he's like, "Perfect! This is perfect for my nighttime activities." So he he puts them in a bag, gets ready to take them home. So Jeff he works at the warehouse, and uh, he's ooh everyone in the warehouse big crush, big crush on this guy. Everyone just thinks he is like number one eligible bachelor. Literally everyone. Big part of that, he brings in baked goods every day for people, and like he's they just buying his way to to bachelorhood. Yeah, but way. I mean, it, it's more than just like, oh, what a nice guy. It's like people are getting sexually aroused by how good his baked goods are. People are just interesting. Like, cannot. And the thing is, I've had I've had that problem a lot. I've had that yeah. problem a lot. Right. You bring in totally. a good cinnamon roll and suddenly it's yeah. like I, I'm married. I'm sorry. Please give me the cinnamon roll back. <laughs> problem with Jeff is like he's very proud of his physique. No one cares. No one cares. He's no actually one... he's actually the hottest. Uh, my marvelous year slacker. I, I think we can just say. On that is canon. Sure, he is yeah, the hottest bod <laughs> yeah. in the slack. But the th- I mean, he puts a lot of work into his appearance. No one, some cares. would say too much. No one, no one notices. That's right. the thing. Right. Is they're all too fixated on how good his baked goods are. That's it. But the thing is, he can't stop baking because he uh, he goes he goes home and he's got this uh, this mystical flower flower of power if you will that he uses to bake uh, like these these creatures that he he has under his sway. Tonight he goes home. He uses his toffee. He suspects there's something something interesting, but he uses his toffee in a, a new concoction, a new type of cake. He's building. He's building, baking half angel's food cake, half devil's food cake. Dang! And when it comes out of the oven, when uh, he goes, arise. A dangerous you know, food cake. Yeast, even though you don't put yeast in cakes, and uh, and who emerges? It's the terrible toffee. But Whoa! Now, in cake form, resurrected at the hands of our new villain, hot cake. Nice. <laughs> And uh, I had a funny nickname for the new uh, to rename Terrible Toffee, and it has completely escaped. Um, well, you know, when you have a good name, you can let it live, <laughs> you can let it lie. I think, right? It's a resurrected Terrible Toffee. Why don't we call him Resur- yeah. Why don't we call him Terrible Toffee 2.0? And he can be kind of our brainiac of the My Marvelous Your like, Shared Universe. He gets numbered every time he resurrects. Terrible Toffee too. I'm just writing that down. Yeah, if he's like really strong, and he just like you know Hulk smashes everything. He can be Pound Cake. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah, it, but no, that's not that's not very good. We can't have two cakes. Um, Ridiculous. But but yes, he he resurrects him, and uh, now maybe collaborating with the terrible Toffee. Who knows? Maybe un- terrible Toffee under his unknowingly his resurrected sway. him. So we'll see if they get along or not. I mean, here's if I if I resurrect a cake, yeah. Um, I'm not man. necessarily, and I'm not expecting it. I might take orders from the cake, but I'm probably not going to immediately give it orders. You know. But if you don't do um, it then and there, you've lost your chance. Yeah, you just yeah. I mean, he's, he's used to, to creating, like, baked good minions. So maybe min, minions, macarons, mac, macronions. <laughs> There's something there. There's something there. I'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, sure. All right, that's going to that's gonna do it for us. I think, uh, I think that's the end of my creativity. 
Thank you very much for listening. Uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Support us on Patreon. I'm going to do the music this time, Dave. Music this time was brought to us by Disasterpiece. That's P-I-E-C-E? What? Or is it Ace? Which is it Disasterpiece? Are you actually Piece? forgetting or did your I audio cut out? Damn it. Zach, are you with me? Disaster piece, P E A C E. Damn. Oh my gosh, you don't even know. That's embarrassing. I always forget. Yeah. So, well, the thing is, him and I, Rick, we're uh, Rick Vreeland. We're we're on a first name basis, so I don't even think of him as disaster piece. Jeez, just, just docked the guy. Just Ricky to me. It's on his Wikipedia page. Wow. <laughs> which, I, Wiki which I don't need to look him. like. Which I don't need to look at because I'm best pals with him. Because you, yeah, you email him, you know, once. <laughs> Regularly, <laughs> yep. We had one very good business like email. So oh man, I'm jelly. All right, thanks yeah. everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to all of you who joined on the live stream very much. Much appreciated. Uh, if you want to join the live streams and that sounds fun to you, we generally do them on Tuesdays um, when we happen to be recording variant covers. So if you have access to our shared calendar, uh, you would know when that's coming. But actually, the best way to find out is in the My Marvelous Year Slack is really the only place I tend to announce them these days. So yeah. you can find it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicherald.com. He's Zach. And we will <laughs> see you <laughs> the, next the, the cadence of that was really funny to me. Usually <laughs> you say I'm on Twitch. I'm on yeah. Twitch at My Marvelous Year. Yeah, twitch.tv slash My Marvelous Year. You can find Zach. Not Twitch. Twitter. God, Twitter. Not Twitch. Bye. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> I said it, I think. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs>